You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Who is best at finding out whether drugs already on the market are causing potential problems? The FDA, you might guess? Not by a long shot. Welcome to the Washington Health Report. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. The Food and Drug Administration is supposed to pay attention to what happens after drugs are approved and put on the market. Sometimes harmful or even lethal side effects don't show up until drugs are put on the market and given to millions of people. But a team of researchers led by the man who is our guest today is beating the FDA at its own game hands down. The field is called pharmacovigilance, if you can manage that mouthful. And our guest is Dr. Charles Bennett, professor of geriatrics and economics at Northwestern University. Welcome to the program, Dr. Bennett. Thank you very much. Tell us a little bit about how you and your team monitor drugs for safety problems. Well, what we do at Northwestern and the Robert H. Lurie Cancer Center is we monitor drugs by paying close attention to patients, the academic community, the FDA, and the drug companies. So we kind of keep our ears to the ground pretty closely. What we do is very simple. We often hear of an interesting case that might be an unrecognized side effect just at the hospital level by walking through the hall seeing case conferences. We follow it up by looking pretty aggressively to see, in fact, if there's any more information about that. We request data from the FDA, from the drug company, medical records, reviews, some of our colleagues, look for wherever we can, and we put together a data set. Our key to data set is not a lot, but a high-quality data. So with about 15 or 20 reports of very, very well-described cases that are all the same thing, we can give you some information. Whereas in general, other people, when they do this work, they wait for a database to be really large, have thousands of reports, and hope there's what they call a statistical signal. We're not looking for that signal. You're telling me that side effects or problems in 15 or 20 people is enough to sound an alarm and to figure out what's going on? If you do 15 and 20 people, that's sort of random people, no. 15 or 20 focused people will give you more information than 1,000 unfocused. So that means you have to have complete information about the 15 people, you have to have a hypothesis about what's going on, what you expect to find, and see if, you, in fact, you do find it. And what we do oftentimes is we actually collect plasma samples and blood samples and do some special tests to verify what's going on. That's much more than just getting a statistical report, which has an incomplete description of a potential patient with a side effect. Currently, what's done is the FDA receives reports over the transom from doctors who voluntarily decide to write up something over about the patient's side effect and send it to the FDA out of the goodness of their heart. It's generally incompletely reported. If it's incomplete and the FDA wants to get more information, they often can't get that feedback. They can't go back to the doctor and say, can you please send me a better report? Because they don't know how many times to go back. If you do, sometimes the doctor won't even respond to you. I feel like I want to make you say this again because it's so surprising. We're always told, it seems, that uh, some of these problems can be subtle and so forth. That's why they're not picked up in the initial trials that lead to the approval and that it takes hundreds or, or usually thousands of patients in order to pick these things up. And yet you're telling me 15 or 20 patients is enough. Well, yeah, we sent a report. It's been published and you've seen our publication. We've done 33 safety reports to date in the last uh, couple of years. The product in the last year that we looked at accounted for $40 billion in sales. Is a $40 billion worth of product, which we identified safety issues. And the size of the database that we use for each individual drug ranged between 10 and 150 cases. Now, aren't the drug companies coming after you and saying, hey, you're raising questions about our 
extremely lucrative products on the basis of 10 or 15 or 20 people? Well, there's two things about it. You want to make sure you're right. So if you come <laughs> out with 10 or 15, you want to make sure over the test of time that you stay right. We've been fortunate enough of the, of the 33 reports we've done so far. So far, we're 33 for 33. We haven't made a missed call yet. So this is 33 different drugs you're talking about. Yeah, 33 different drugs, 33 digital side effects. You know, we did it on 10 or 15. One drug we came out, for example, with Plavix. Plavix is a $6 billion drug, the second biggest drug in the world right now next to Lipitor. The drug came out on the market in 1998. 1999, we wrote that a very rare side effect, one in a million people, would occur with the drug. And we found 11 cases in the first year of use of this drug. 11 cases and a one in a million side effect. Well, many people questioned us. They said, how can it be so? Here we are six years later. There was 150 cases we've got over six years. It's still very rare. The drug is used. It's a terrifically good drug. And what has happened? The drug still sells, but the side effect is clearly written about in the package insert, so patients know about it. So do you uh, live in your basement and travel in an armored car or something? Well, again, you look at the thing. Of the 33 drugs we've done, not one drug has been taken off the market. It's important. That we know that drugs have good value, and every drug has a risk. What we're trying to do is make sure that risk is explicit so we know if the side effect occurs that it started, what to do to treat it, what to do to prevent it. So I think the companies are happy because they want the people to get the best value out of their drug. If there's a way to prevent a side effect or to treat it early or to diagnose it early and save a life, they still use this drug, and the drug has great benefit. Clearly, Plavix has made the heart world much, much better. So despite my misgivings here on your behalf, you're, what you're telling me is that, that you are really a friend to the drug companies by doing what you're doing, pointing these things out and making it possible to use these drugs more appropriately and more safely. That's what I would say to say at the end of the day, a friend or foe is not that the drug has a heart. Two things to companies, they have to make their shareholders uh, appropriate and they want to sell good drugs and be good value to people. Uh, we don't worry about shareholders and stocks. That's not my issue. We do want to provide value to people and make sure everything's safe and uh, effective too. We also tell you about the good sides. So if you take a drug and you only look at a side effect, you might not even take an aspirin. It might look like it'll kill you. So you have to have everything with balance, which is what we provide. And at the end of the day, what we do is because we're in the middle of the academic structures, we are a collaborator with the FDA, in a sense, and with the drug companies and making it all possible for the world to understand these drugs better. So we're not a friend, but we're a collaborator. Now, do you have any contact with the drug companies? What we do with the drug companies is generally what we'll do is we'll call them up, tell them what we're thinking about, what we're seeing. We'll ask them if they don't mind if we could fly out to their headquarters on our own nickel, show them what we're seeing, hear our report. We often let them look at the manuscript before it's submitted to the New England Journal or JAMA or Annals or some other major journal. And if they have any comments, we'd be glad to listen to them. Not so sure we'd take them all into consideration, but we'd like to hear. If they have additional points we should look at, we'd like to hear them. So we try to be very collaborative with the drug companies by actually showing, talking to them, sharing ideas in the very beginning. And we do the same thing with the FDA. We call the FDA up and say, look, we have some interesting findings. If it's possible, we'd love to come down to Washington and show you what we got. And do you get any funding from the drug companies? I do not get any funding from the drug companies. We get 100% of our funding from federal grants. So we're not even a service industry. We are a scientific, what we call R01 research. We are funded only on grants. So when we got a grant to do our first 15 side effects, we did those well. We applied for a grant to say, can we do another 40 because we did so well? They said, nope, because you are a service, you are a science. And if you're going to do the same thing again, just more of it, that's not fundable. 
So we have to reinvent ourselves every three years when we apply for more money because we cannot just continue to operate as we used to because that's not what science is about. Science is always moving forward. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. This is the Washington Health Report, and we're talking about post-marketing surveillance of drugs. Why has the FDA not hired you? Should they hire you? Would you like to work for the FDA, sir? <laughs> uh, did you just ask me if I wanted a government job? Yeah, I did. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very important that the FDA, they are a regulatory agency. The FDA is responsible for 25% of the U.S. GNP that goes through it. That's a lot. The uh, pharmaceutical industries are responsible for their drugs, and we in academics are responsible for the science. So we have a very unique role. And so that, by that I mean the FDA, the drug companies, they both primarily look at databases to see if there's any evidence that there might be a drug side effect. What we look at is we look at lab samples, we look at uh, biopsies, we look at pathology, we look at slides. We want to know why a side effect occurs. Can we prevent it? We understand the science. So each of us has a different mission. At regulatory FDA, selling drug and providing drug to patients, companies, and making sure the science works and doing good things for patients, for the academics. We each have different missions. So the, the, the short-term thing, what we're mostly talking about here is finding problems and figuring out how to use these drugs appropriately and not causing those problems. But what you're telling me is that there's a longer-term uh, goal also of understanding better how the drugs work, which could lead to, I guess, design of better drugs in the future, that sort of thing. For instance, we have a new breakthrough we're just putting together on one of our side effects. And the lessons we've learned, the science we've learned, has actually got applicability to people with, this, with the drug side effect who've never even had the drug. It has general meaning to all of medicine, and it does not even restrict it to the drug at all. So we are able to learn some science without even actually having to base it all on the drug. So understanding more about the, the condition that the drug is targeted at, is that what you mean? Well, the side effect that occurs is a syndrome. It's called a fatal syndrome. We call it TTP, thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura. It's a very fulminant disease. It usually kills people within days or minutes or hours. It has to be treated uh, emergently. One drug causes TTP in a very small number. Our findings have applicability to everybody with TTP, whether they receive the drug or not. Uh, what, what is the drug we're talking about here? Plavix, $5.6 billion a drug. Tell us about one or two other drugs you've looked at recently. Just these, these war stories are fun. Well, I think they're unbelievably interesting science, so I like to make sure that everybody understands the science is part and parcel. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Procrit, Epogen, it's about a $12 billion drug, clearly. It's the biggest drug on Medicare. Four years ago... There was a small number of people who took the drug. Instead of getting more, more red cells, which is what it's used for, anemia, they were getting less red cells. They were having florid anemia. In fact, their anemia was so bad that these people needed a blood transfusion every other day. turns out that there was an antibody that was generated to the product in a small number of people. And instead of making people have more red cells and less anemia, these smaller people generated antibodies and had a large amount of anemia and needed transfusions every day. It was fulminant. And what we found was that three companies, Roche, Amgen, and Johnson Johnson, each of them very large companies, each made their same product, the EPO, Procrit, Epogen, but they had a slightly different production, production uh, method. Turns out that one of the three companies' production method had a flaw in it, and that product was the only product that was unsafe, and the other two products were safe. We reported that, and we told the company that if they put a stopper, a little Teflon stopper on the, uh, on the vial, that they would probably get rid of the side effect because it was a little particulate matter that was in the, in the product. They put the stopper on, the side effect went away, and the company saved $3 billion in sales. 
And what was your share of that savings? I got zero. <laughs> I got zero. You're not a very, you may be a great scientist. You're not a very good businessman, it doesn't sound like to me. <laughs> exactly. You have to be able to believe in the science. <laughs> now, should the FDA adopt some version of your system? I'm, now that you've, got, you've impressed me with how uh, important your work is, uh, one of these days you may not get funded, and then what happens to us? Oh, my gosh. If I don't get funded, <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm sure. <laughs> the FDA has a new call for proposals for centers that will actually be formally collaborating with the FDA. They're going to pick seven new sites to pick these to have out there, and there's an open bid. We competed for that. We've been told that we are probably a little bit short of funding. They told us that we're not, on, we're not dead, but uh, we're like a dog who's got uh, faint respirations. Mm-hmm. We like to be revived and be part of this. It's a beautiful opportunity to be collaborative in a formal way with the FDA. Right now, we're very informally collaborative ask them for phone calls, call up and have meetings with them. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, whether we have appropriate relationships. This program is a beautiful opportunity uh, to allow our program, the radar program, to be formally networking with the FDA. Well, you make a good case. I think we'd, we'd love to see it too, many of us, after hearing your uh, explanation. That brings us to a close. We've been talking about drug safety in the United States with Dr. Charles Bennett, a drug safety expert and detective at Northwestern University. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Bennett. Thank you. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. You've been listening to the Washington Health Report on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. If you have comments, questions, suggestions about topics for future shows, send us an email at xm at reachmd.com. And thanks so much for listening.